What a powerful chapter. There is therefore now. Somebody shout now. Why now? Why is there therefore now no condemnation? What changed from then until now? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There is no death sentence to those who are in Christ. Now, we're going to deal with that in just a few minutes. If you get in Galatians... Uh, I believe it's chapter 3, it will tell you how to get in Christ. That we are baptized into Christ. Somebody say, into Christ. That's why the name is so important, because we are baptized into Christ. Not into just what He represents and what He does, but who He is. We are baptized into Christ. So... Is there therefore now no condemnation because I've been baptized in Jesus' name? Is that the end of the story? No, let's finish the verse. Context matters. You've got to be in Christ Jesus. But you cannot walk after your flesh. Who walk not after the flesh, but after... Somebody shout, the Spirit. There's a reason why in your Bible that's a capital S. It's the pneuma. It's the Spirit of God. So, Romans chapter 8 is not about uh, telling me how to, to be saved, but it certainly is perfectly in alignment with salvation. Because I'm in Christ by baptism in Jesus' name, and I'm filled with His Spirit in order to walk in the Spirit. You cannot walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit if you don't have the Spirit. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to preach to you tonight. I'm going to try to teach a little bit maybe in the middle. But I'm going to talk to you tonight about this subject if I may. I want to preach to you tonight about the nature of the beast. The nature of the beast. How many of you would help me pray right now that the Lord would just touch our hearts and our minds? Would you lead us in prayer right now? Would you do that? Come on, pray that God would touch, Pastor. Pray that he'd touch my mind and my spirit. In the name of Jesus, Lord, help me to deliver what you put in my heart. God, I want to speak to somebody tonight. I, I want to speak life to somebody. God, I want there to be a difference made in somebody's heart. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. God, if we've ever needed you, we need you tonight. We need you right now. We name of Jesus. I'll tell you what make me feel really good right now is if you just set that Bible down and let's clap our hands unto the Lord and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Praise God. Let a 47 psalm ring in this house right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you imagine that shout of triumph? It's a sound of victory. It's a sound of victory tonight. Woo! Shakata yara robo sata bahaya. 
I feel a shift in the room right now. There's a shift in the atmosphere right now. Come on. Lift that a little higher right there. Yes. Great God, great God, great God, great God, great God. Praise God. You may be seated in the mighty name of Jesus. The nature of the beast. Now I'm going to have to walk just a little slow for a minute. And then we're going to see what the Lord does and how he takes us and moves us here tonight. But I was studying in Romans chapter 8 today. And the Lord was dealing with my heart, dealing with my spirit concerning speaking to you tonight. And there is a word that continually comes up uh, in your Bible it is mentioned 130 times the word in the Greek is S-A-R-X it is sarks and the word sarks uh, 126 times is the word flesh in English okay it is the word flesh it is used twice as carnal once as carnally and once as fleshly so as you're reading through Romans chapter 8 and we come to the word carnal or carnally it is the same word in the Greek as the word flesh in Romans chapter 8 they use it in context to make sense There is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after sarks. They walk not after the flesh. Everybody say the flesh. They walk not after the flesh, but they walk after the Spirit of God. Now, folks, there is a vast difference in my flesh and the Spirit of God. I'm talking, I'm talking about worlds of difference. They're not even close. It is flesh that caused us to need the Spirit of God. It is fallen flesh that caused God to have to robe himself in flesh. And it's, it's right here in your Bible that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free... From the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the. It's a good word. I'm telling you it's all through this chapter. God sending his own son in the likeness of. So he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. To redeem sinful flesh. If you believe that say amen. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin and he condemned sin in the flesh. You got to follow this. God did not take care of the sin problem in the spirit. He is fully God and fully man. But he did not come to earth In the spirit to redeem the flesh. He came in the flesh 
to redeem flesh. He had to be a son to redeem sons. Amen. Why did God not just speak the word over sin and sin was taken care of? Listen, I I don't have time to dig real, real deep here, but I want to tell you, the Spirit of God was drawing men in the garden. His Spirit was drawing men in the garden. It was drawing Adam and Eve. It was drawing flesh. It was drawing that man and that woman, the creation of God. He was drawing them to His presence. The Spirit of God that had moved on the face of the deep was the same Spirit of God that came moving in the cool of the day in the garden. And the Scripture said that when the Spirit came, the Spirit revealed that flesh was out of alignment. The Spirit of God came into the garden, but the flesh of man was hidden in the bushes because they had sinned. The Spirit of God is contrary to the flesh. The Spirit of God is the absolute antithesis of my flesh everything that my flesh is God is not so the spirit of God in the garden is what revealed that flesh needed to be redeemed are you with me I'm I'm, I'm gonna get you there so the spirit is what revealed the need for the flesh to be redeemed. And so the Lord sheds blood and he covers man. This did not just happen by accident. They came out in leaves. And when they came out in leaves to talk to the Lord, the Lord said, no, that is not good enough. And the Bible said that a lamb was slain, that an animal was slain, and the skin of that animal was put on their bodies. Now, I'm I'm not going to stay here long, but I do want you to notice something that when man tried to dress himself to come before the presence of God his dress was not holy enough to please God his idea remember flesh is what corrupted his soul his flesh well no the devil didn't the the, the devil came in pastor the devil made them the devil didn't make anybody sin Eve's flesh communicating with the devil and Adam partaking. It was not the devil that created the fall of man. It was man that created the fall of man. That's why I have a problem putting my faith in the ways of men to try to bail us out of the problems that we're in. Listen, it was men that got us in trouble and it's going to be men that keep us in trouble. But thanks unto God for the Spirit of God that has a way of revealing we have a need for a Savior. The devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. Now, the devil was cursed. He was said that he was going to crawl on his belly. Uh, the serpent was going to crawl on his belly. It was said that the seed of the woman would crush his head. This is powerful. But there's a very, very important principle. And this is why we believe the way that we believe. The scripture said very clearly that when they came out in the presence of the Lord, uh, the presence of the Spirit of God, That their idea of holiness was not enough. And the Lord made them, if you look at the Hebrew word, Scripture said that he made them a long, free-flowing garment made out of the skin. Now, anymore, 
We have people that like it skin tight. But it's not the free-flowing garment of skin. You understand what I'm saying? There's not a whole lot left to the imagination. There is something to be said about people living modestly. Boy, is it, is it going to be tough on Wednesday night? There's something to be said about people who understand the value of what God is trying to say to them. That what we think is enough to cover us is never enough to cover us. We've got to understand God's idea of holiness. And God's idea of holiness in the 21st century, uh, as far as holiness is concerned, He's always been holy. But God's idea of holiness inside of us, bringing us to separation and distinction from the world, is going to be different in the 21st century than it would have been in the first century, if that makes any sense. There were things that were happening in the first century that probably happen now, maybe in a little bit of a different fashion. Uh, I got got to believe that if the Apostle Paul would have had the opportunity to see yoga pants, he probably would have preached against them. (laughs) I think yoga pants are the new bikini. And, and, And the problem is, Nobody needs to be wearing them, but some folk really don't need to be wearing them. God bless you, you're dismissed. There is always going to be a struggle between my flesh and the Spirit of God. I I wish I had something really deep to tell you right here, but before I... Before I go any deeper, I just want to tell you, I hope y'all are ready for this. You got your, you got your seatbelts on, your floaties, you ready for this? Now listen to me. The greatest battle that you're going to face between now and the coming of the Lord will not be demonic. Oh, well, pastor, you know witchcraft's real. Oh, yeah, it's real. It's extremely real. We take dominion and authority over it. But when the disciples came to Jesus and they were excited about casting out devils, he said, don't even rejoice over that. You're looking at a man who still believes we cast out devils in Jesus' name. But the issue is that he told them, he said, don't rejoice because you're casting out devils. Don't rejoice because the spirits are subject unto you. If you have the spirit of God in you, Every devil is subject to the spirit that's in you. That's not subject to you, but rather greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Don't don't, don't go get boasting and big shoulder because you got dominion. He said, "Don't don't you dare put your chest out and start bragging because you cast out a devil. He said, the thing that I want you to rejoice about is that your name is written in the land. Why would he tell them to rejoice? That their name is written because your name cannot be written in the Lamb's book of life if you're being led around by your flesh. 
Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life when you have destroyed the works of the flesh in your life and you are not manipulated by the flesh. I thank God for dominion over darkness. I thank God for dominion over witchcraft. I thank God for dominion over Wicca. I thank God. Listen, I'm not intimidated by the devil or the works of the devil. I'm not intimidated at all. But I'm going to tell you what really needs some work in my life and that's this old dirty, rotten flesh that's this old man of mine that's always fighting against the law of God now we're going to stay in kindergarten for just a minute but I want to tell you that if you miss heaven I want to be sure this is real good and loud if you miss heaven it's not because of the devil It's because of your flesh. I really do wish the devil had as much authority as we give him sometimes. Because if he really had that much authority, it'd it'd take a lot of pressure off of me. Because then all I'd have to do is just cast the devil off or cast the devil out and we'd be done. The problem that we run into... Boy, I hope y'all love me. The problem that we get into is casting out devils isn't hard. But you can't cast out flesh. That's good as it's going to get right there, folks. You can't cast out flesh. It is always going to be with you. Paul said, when I would do good, Evil is present with me. And the nature of who you are pre-Jesus is the nature that's always fighting to survive in your life post-Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? Now that old man is crucified, but you understand that he's always fighting to resurrect. If you were a gambler before you came to Jesus, but the smell of alcohol made you sick, you're not going to be tempted by alcohol after you come to Jesus. You're going to be tempted by the thing that tempted you before you came to the Lord because the devil has no new tricks up his sleeve. He's going to tempt you with the same thing that he used to tempt you with and that you would give into with your flesh. I mean, I'm just, I don't want to meddle tonight, but I'm just saying there's things that the devil's not going to tempt you with. He's, it would do him no good ever to knock on my door and say, hey, dude, I think you're a girl. No, you didn't. <laughs> Y'all understand what I'm saying. I mean, he ain't going to waste his time. Because I sure do like my wife. And I'm not interested in anything else. Especially with hairy legs. But the enemy knows 
your weakness. So don't act surprised when what makes you weak starts knocking. But his strength is made perfect in, somebody say in. In your weakness, when your weakness is present, his strength is made perfect in weakness. That does not mean that your weakness disappears. It means that his strength becomes perfected. Well, let me keep rowing this thing tonight. I'm going to turn the corner in a minute. We're going to go downstream. Praise God. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, this word flesh is extremely interesting. This word sarks is interesting. As I was going through... It deals not only with the flesh of a man as just just the basic word, the flesh of a human being, the body of the human being. But I want you to listen to this sub-definition, if I could give it to you like this. It says the body, the body of a man. The sensuous nature of man, quote, the animal nature. Who walk not after the animal nature within you. Now that doesn't mean you identify as an animal. It means that the nature that is within you is animalistic. All of these people that we see through the years that... God is filled with the Holy Ghost. We baptize in Jesus' name in prisons and all of the people that we've prayed for and and, and we've ministered to in jails. Do you know what? Those people are exactly like you. They're exactly like you. We've got to get it out of our mind that we're a different class of citizen Because we're sitting in the house of the Lord. We need to get it back in our mind when we see that. And say, but for the grace of God, there go I. I could be right where they are tonight. I could be waking up every morning in prison. I could be spending the rest of my life. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because the nature of the beast is within me. Everything that's within me, I have in common with that man. But the Spirit of God that dwells within me is more powerful. Oh, I feel it here right now. Is more powerful than the nature of the beast. Now, the scripture said in the third verse that in the flesh he condemned the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Somebody say fulfilled. Now you can look as deep as you want in the Greek and fulfilled and abolished never mean the same thing. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because it is a common thread thought amongst religious movements that Jesus came to abolish the law. He did not abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. The law in itself was righteous. It had to be righteous. The author was righteous. It wasn't written by the finger of Moses. It was written by the finger of God. I want you to consider the fact 
that the same fingers that molded man on the sixth day of creation and formed him was the same hand that came out of heaven and formed the law on tablets of stone. But when it was not working for the tablets of stone to lead men, he said through the prophet, he said, then I'm going to take a day. There is coming a day that I'm going to take the word that was written on the tablets of stones and I'm going to write it in the flesh of your heart. I'm going to heal the animal. heal it the law is righteous but wherever there is law there are people that get involved with it because they're flesh somebody say flesh and it's the nature of the beast people mess it up so I was in discussions uh, two days ago with a man and we were talking about the woman caught in the act of adultery, okay? I don't, I'm not going to preach on it, but I, I just want to show you what I'm talking about. Okay, so Jesus is standing, and they're doing everything they can to catch him. I preached on it uh, Sunday night. They wanted to catch him in healing on the Sabbath. I mean, that's just absolutely atrocious that he would heal somebody on the Sabbath, you know? And so they're always trying to... He healed you on Saturday? Well, that's not the Sabbath. So he, he heals on the Sabbath, and they're trying to catch him. Well, this woman that's caught in the act of adultery, they bring her to him, and Jesus, he says uh, to this group of people, now these are people, Brother Snow, they know the law. If we could say it like this, they're, they're like the law yours. These are the scribes that have protected it and the Pharisees that teach it. They understand the law. And Jesus, this woman's in, in front of him. So here's the question. Was she guilty? It's not true. Was, was she caught in the act? There was, that's what they said. But their words were self-incriminating. Because they said this woman was caught in the act, the very act. So this leaves no gray area of whether or not she was guilty. Amen? Now, the problem is they know the law. And the Levitical law said that if a man and a woman are caught in the act, that they are both to be brought before the council. And they're to be dealt with. Now, these men that brought her had the brash boldness to say she was caught in the act. Why did Jesus say, then let him that's without sin among you first cast a stone? Jesus is not, he's not speaking about, uh, this is not post-Calvary. He's speaking about their sin against the law, right? If any among you are without sin against the law, then you first cast a stone. And we preach this as amazing mercy, and it is. But Jesus had him in a catch-22. It wasn't just mercy that kept him from condemning her. It was the fact that they knew the law, but they wanted to point out who transgressed according to their opinion 
as long as they were not considered transgressors. They were actually breaking the law by bringing only her. Because the law said that her and the man, how do they know she was caught in the act if they don't know who the man was? I'm not being crude, I'm just... When it says she's caught in the act, that means there was some dude involved. Am I, am I lying or am I dying? They know there's a man involved. Where's the man? I have my own theory. I'm not willing to base a doctrine on it. But I want to tell you what I believe. I believe if he wasn't standing there with them with a rock in his hand, that he was off in the distance watching and waiting to see what was going to happen. I have a feeling, not doctrine, opinion, that's all it is. I have a feeling that it was one of their boys. I have a feeling that he might have been standing over there with a big old headpiece on and along uh, Talis Gadol and looked like everybody else. And so he's saying, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just take her to Jesus, and if he's got any scruples at all, then he's going to stand with the law because he's a rabbi too. He's going to stand with the law. We'll kill her, and we'll get rid of the evidence, and then I'm set free. I'm, I'm trying to help you now. This is so powerful when you understand. Jesus wasn't being a smart aleck. He was quoting the law to them. Well, if you don't have sin in your life, then go ahead and throw the stone. Well, why don't they throw the stone? Because then they're in double jeopardy. Because now not only have they transgressed the law of adultery, they've transgressed the law of murder. Because she's not the only one guilty. So now it's not penalty of law. It's murder. And that's the way it keeps stacking up. The law was righteous. But the men who were trying to quote the law and enforce the law, they were not. Have you figured out yet how governments get whacked out? Because absolute power corrupts absolutely. These were men that were interpreting the law of God himself but the finger of God that wrote with mercy on the tablet oh y'all ain't ready for this the finger of God that wrote on the tablet of stone the Bible said that Jesus knelt down and began to write with his finger in the earth do you understand what I'm saying to you that the same finger that wrote the law was the same finger that wrote mercy in the sand. It was the physical manifestation of the finger of God I believe that Moses saw on the mountain of Sinai that day. The author of the law himself said, let me tell you how mercy works. What the law could not do because of the corruption of men, mercy is able... That same hand said, I know what the law is because I wrote it. But let me show you what mercy can do. And he begins to write in the earth. He said, woman, where are thine accusers? I see none. And this is the part we don't like. 
See, she should have been in the choir right then. She prayed a prayer of repentance and God forgave her. He said to her, he said, you're not finished. You got to go your way. And do not do what brought you here this time ever again. This is perfect with Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect alignment with the word of God. The nature of the beast is there. But if you walk after the nature of the beast, then you're going to fall. If you walk after the nature of the animal that's within you, you're always going to run the same cycle. He said there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who are willing to go their way and sin. Man, you're probably not going to hear this on TBN. I was trying to figure out how to get into that business that if you'll send me a thousand dollars, God will forgive your sin right now. But I can't figure it out. I'd rather just preach the word. Now, how do we know that we're walking according to the Spirit? How do we know, Pastor? I hear you talking all this jazz about being spiritual. And I know people, I'm not saying this to be ugly, okay? But let me just say this to you with compassion as your pastor. If anybody has to tell you they're spiritual, then they're not. I'm the most spiritual person I know. Well, I'm sorry. The people that want you to believe they're the most spiritual are not. The people that bear fruit. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh. Somebody say the flesh. flesh. These two words right here, do mind the things of the flesh, is very interesting. You can actually read it just like this. For they that are after the flesh do set their minds to do the things of the flesh. That's what they think about. It's on their minds. You don't have to wonder where they're at. Have you ever noticed how many people are repeat offenders? I'm not talking about in the judicial system. I'm talking about in my office. It's like when they come in, I'm not going to be surprised at all. I'm like, welcome back. Let's just push rewind from the last meeting. They're going to tell me they did the same thing. And I'm going to tell them they need to do the same thing. Because as long as you set your mind to do the things of the flesh, that's what you're going to do. But they that are after the Spirit, they set their mind to do the things of the Spirit. Uh, okay, so then what's the practical application, elder? Let me give it to you. Are you ready for this? You got, I mean, you got to get ready for this. What, this is a seatbelt check. One, you ready for this? This means before you do it, 
You say, God, are you good with this? Before I push play. Are you good with this? But before I turn this thing on, God, are you good with this? And if you can't answer that question and know that God's okay with it, then you have set your mind to do the things of the flesh. I don't think God has a problem with it, Pastor. Then ask him. I'm not, I'm not talking about it in a smart aleck way. You may think I'm, I'm trying to be facetious. I'm not. I'm talking about spend time with the Lord. Walk out of a prayer meeting and tell me you would feel exactly the same way if you had to watch that in front of the body of Christ as you do when you're watching it by yourself. And then tell me your mind and the things of the Spirit. Ooh, it's tough in here on Wednesday night. I must be walking on some stuff now. I don't feel nothing under my feet, but the power of this. Some people look at this bishop in a way, it's like, oh man, do I really? I mean, honestly, I just like, I mean, I just like doing me, you know? Like, you do you, I'll do me. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not sure you really are understanding the power of this, okay? Now, I'm going to have to refer to something right here. It's a cuss word with some people. But I'm going to refer to something political. Oh, my. I don't know if we've got our AFib thing out there or not we shock people with. Whenever somebody is wanting to run for office... They get somebody that's already in office that's in power or somebody that's of great power. And there's a big word they use that's called an endorsement. Okay? The endorsement says, I am for them. I I, I approve of this candidate. Some people look at this as getting tired. Man, I'm just sick of feeling convicted everything I do. And I'm I'm tired of having to... Fight this, and so they'll walk away from God, or they'll say, I'm going to find me a church that I can go and feel comfortable doing that. Instead of looking at this as in having to always ask God's opinion, I want you to consider the value of this. That the God of all glory has given you the opportunity to be endorsed by His Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? This is not a matter of, oh, God, am I going to go to hell if I do? No, 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 no. Get that out of your brain. Don't ask the question that way. So you're saying if I go there, I watch that, or I wear that, I'm going to go to hell. No, no, no. I don't think you understand. What I'm saying to you is when you walk in obedience and say, God, I want to please you, you literally have the opportunity for God himself to endorse you. I don't do everything I do so I won't go to hell. And I don't stay away from places that I stay away from so I won't go to hell. I love the idea that God is mindful enough of me that I've got his endorsement on my life. 
Well, you do know that people are going to talk about you. I've never seen somebody get endorsed that somebody else don't have something negative to say about them. When the Spirit of God endorses you, there's going to be people that hate you. There's going to be people that despise you. But when you're walking after the Spirit and the Spirit of God endorses you, you walk in the boldness of God and no greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. You walk in the boldness of God and say, I am endorsed as a child of God. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, for to be carnally minded, same word. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded. I don't have any peace in my life, Pastor. I feel dead. I feel dead. I feel dark. I don't have any peace. Folks, I'm not saying it's be ugly. I'm just I'm stating the obvious. Let, let me say this. Any area of your life that does not have peace is an area of your life that God does not have jurisdiction. You know, we can say, if you've, if you've seen any riots or anything like that, if you haven't, you've been living under a rock. But when riots break out, they'll say, the police now have it under control. The police now have it under control. Now, there's something amazing about that. Because we've all seen things that we thought were under control, get out of control. But the same rule applies when we say God is in control. Because it's not proven in my life that God is in control until my flesh wants to do it so bad that I'm willing to wound, offend, break, tear down, destroy anything I have to to make my flesh happy. And that's, that's when I prove whether or not God is in control or whether God just has some authority in my life. Woo! I'm preaching right now. And I ain't preaching against no devil. I'm preaching up against some flesh in here right now. You know that God is in control when you start feeling that flesh rise up, but then you feel that, that peace come over you and say, I don't need that to be happy. I used to. That used to define me. That used to be who I was. But that's not who I am anymore. Because I've given God jurisdiction over areas in my life that I used to want to control. And I'm willing to do anything that I have to do to get God control. To be spiritually minded is, somebody shout life, and, come on, shout that real good, life, and peace. Why? Because the carnal mind is enmity with God. 
This is a strong word. Now, you, you can say, you can say that somewhat interchangeably here, synonymously that enmity means enemy. But let me tell you more accurate representation of the word. It's, it's, it is enmity and hatred. But let me tell you the power of this is that it is the reason for the opposition. Does that make any sense? I'm not trying to make you snore in Greek here. That the carnal mind is the reason for opposition against God. The carnal mind is the reason for opposition. Now, this is so valuable to us. And this is, this is where the power comes in. Why is it the reason for opposition against God? Now, folks, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm hurrying, but i got to get this in your spirit right here. When we sin against our flesh, we are sinning against God. In other words, this language is indicative and alludes to the fact that I am opposing God. It is the reason that I oppose God. You thought about that? How many of you have ever seen anybody oppose God and win? Now, there's been a few times in my life that I've had some pretty good wrestling matches. You know, I've, I've took a couple licks, give a couple good licks. I've had some times I, don't, I didn't like it, but I'm a smart enough man to know that if Mike Castro walks by, I ain't, I ain't jumping on. <laughs> You're safe, bro. I hope you're relieved to know that. Like, you good? I mean, like, you, you got to know your limits. You just got, I mean, just, just got to know. I mean, maybe a few more days in the gym. We'll talk about it. How good do you have to be to oppose God and win? Because the carnal mind, the nature of the beast within you, is the very reason for opposing God. And he said the reason that it is, is because it is not subject to the law of God. And brother Stephen, this phrase right here blows my mind. Neither can be. If you spend your whole life with God trying to reason in your flesh why we do things for spiritual gain. When somebody comes to you and says, so you're telling me that I have to do that to be saved. You're going to have to back up and reason from a different direction because it's not subject to the law of God. Neither can it be. You can never reason in your flesh. Of why God expects things from us on a spiritual level. And it ever make sense. Verse 8. This is hard. I'm almost done. Matter of fact. I think I want y'all to read this one. Because I don't want nobody getting mad at me, Sister Darla. I don't want nobody mad in here. I'd hate to turn you loose on somebody that talked bad about me. Come on, choir. Let's read this together. 
So then they. You Pentecostals are so judgmental. Is that Pentecostal rhetoric? I mean, did that come out of the Word of Flame press from Sunday school department? You cannot please God in the flesh. It's impossible to please God in the flesh. Oh, he said, but you are not, verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, then he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies for his spirit dwelleth in you. I want to tell you tonight that there is a spirit that can overcome the nature of the beast and it is the spirit of God. It'll give you power to overcome. It'll give you power to stand up. It'll give you power to deny. It's Holy Ghost power. Stand with me. Stand with me. Now, Bible study before we dismiss. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If Christ be in you, somebody say Christ be in you. So in baptism, I get in Christ. With the infilling of the Holy Ghost, Christ gets in me. Oh, no, 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 pastor. That's, uh, that's, actually, that's actually the second person. Stay with me. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. But the spirit of, is alive because of righteousness. Watch this now. Same language. But the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So let me ask you this. Are there two spirits that dwell in me? Or is the spirit of the Holy Ghost the spirit of Christ? Why are you saying that, Pastor? Because I just want to remind you before I close that I'm not just talking about any old spirit that gives you power over the nature of the beast. I'm talking about the man himself who hung on a cross and made this statement. It is finished. He said, I will not leave you comfortless but I will come again unto you. Can I tell you that when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you literally have Jesus Christ who God have mercy, who defeated sin and knew no sin, who took the keys of death and hell. The devil don't even have the keys to his own house, but Jesus lives in me. How do I destroy the nature of the beast with the nature of Christ? I take off the old nature and I put on the nature of Christ. I let my old man die and I'm resurrected in the power of the Holy Ghost. 
wish I, I really wish I had time to preach this chapter tonight. But it is one of the most powerful statements I've ever heard in my life. When we get to 14, I'm done. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Yet another level of dominion. What? What? What I'm saying to you is when you walk in the Spirit, you have a right to tell every devil that comes against you who your daddy is. You have become a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You know what? I'm not looking at a bunch of losers tonight. I'm not looking at a bunch of outcasts tonight. I'm not looking at a bunch of defeated folks tonight. I'm looking at the children of the Most High God. And any weapon that is formed against you, it shall not prosper. I got a call yesterday from Brother Jones, Timmy Jones. Brother Timmy Jones called me yesterday, and he's, he, he, just, he just had a horrible heart attack. I don't know how many of you remember Brother Jones. When they were driving here from Louisville for a while, he just had a horrible heart attack. And they've, they've not given him good news in his body, and he's trying his best to do it. And he, he started talking to me. He said, Brother St. Clair, he said, I remember years ago you preached a sermon called The Left-Handed Church or Left-Handed Revival or something. I said, yeah, yeah, Left-Handed Church. He said, uh, you guys have that on archive? I said, well, I know I recently preached it in Dayton. I said, let me find it. And I sent him a link to it. And about an hour later, I got a text from him. And you just have to know him. Bishop, he sent me this text. He said, my Lord, bro, at 46 minutes on that sermon, he said, I took off running out of my house he said, I was running around the, just had a heart attack. He said, I went running around my house outside twice, saying no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. No we-. He said, I was running around the house, shouting, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You know what he was doing? He was telling that doctor's report, I have a father that I am in covenant with. I am a son of God. I dare somebody in this place tonight to destroy the nature of the beast oh hallelujah well what if somebody drove by and saw him oh I I, I don't mean any disrespect by this but I'm going to tell you right now It's time for the apostolics to come out of the closet. It's time to quit hiding. It's time to quit hiding our light under a bush. It's time to let the world know I will not be destroyed by the nature of the beast. I have an advocate with my father. I've been filled with his spirit. I've been washed in his blood. And I am more than a conqueror. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this great church and these sweet people. 
I pray God that the good seed of the word of God would find fertile soil tonight let somebody in this place oh God find that power that's within them tonight and if they have not been filled with the Holy Ghost and fire I pray that you would fill them right now with the gift of the Holy Ghost I pray for overcoming power to begin to move through this room right now in the name of Jesus I pray that somebody would begin to walk in dominion and boldness and authority in the Holy Ghost over their life right now oh God I release your spirit in this room I release ministering spirits in this room I pray in the name of Jesus that the nature of the beast would be destroyed in this house tonight in the mighty name of Jesus